a new drug to combat viral infections, may have been hidden in plain sight. Up next on The Scope. Examining the latest research and telling you about the latest breakthroughs. The Science and Research Show is on The Scope. I'm talking with Dr. Shankar Swaminathan, Chief of Infectious Disease at University of Utah Healthcare. Dr. Swaminathan, you just published some interesting findings in the Proceedings of the National Academies of Sciences. What did you find? How did that get started? Most people are uh, familiar with mononucleosis or mono that Epstein-Barr virus causes. Uh, Epstein-Barr virus is also referred to as EBV. Um, Not only does EBV cause mono, but it also, um, in uh, a small number of people, can lead to uh, various types of malignancies or cancers. So the most common malignancies that are associated with EBV are Burkitt lymphoma, uh, which is a type of malignancy of the uh, of the lymphocytes. And there's also a tumor that occurs mostly in southern China and other parts of the world called nasopharyngeal carcinoma, which is a cancer of the nose and throat. And these have been associated with EBV. Uh, so, you know, we're very interested in studying EBV and its association with cancer. Almost all of us are infected with EBV, and it's asymptomatic, that is, you know, without any known symptoms. Mm. Um, but yet in a small percentage of people, it can cause disease that's quite serious in later life. When we, um, uh, started working on this, uh, this project to look at compounds that could inhibit EBV replication, we didn't originally start out to look for pharmaceutical antivirals, really. What we set out initially to do was to see if we could find compounds that would inhibit one particular protein that's made by EBV, and this protein is called SM protein. Um, And we've been interested in the mechanism of action and the basic research into the function of this protein for many years. Um, And one of the reasons that we've been interested in this protein is that all herpes viruses, whether it's herpes simplex virus or chickenpox virus, um, they all express a similar protein. And this family of proteins is uh, is critical for virus replication. We were very interested in this essential protein and learning how it works. And so we devised a, an assay to look for small molecules that could inhibit the function of this protein. What did you find when you, when you did that assay? In, when we first started doing this assay, we had only screened a few hundred compounds when one particular compound in this so-called library of compounds very clearly... Uh, showed up as as inhibiting the function of the SM protein. And then we tried it on cells that were actually infected with the virus. And we were very gratified to find that, as one might predict, uh, th- those viruses could no longer replicate because they really need that SM protein to replicate. So you found um, a, a drug that could work to to reduce infection by Epstein-Barr virus. And and what was surprising about this compound? What, what was well, it? Well, what, what's you know, and I'm still uh, <laughs> surprised by it in a way uh, because this is a drug that's been in use for 50 years. And it's primarily used to increase um, uh, loss of water. So it's a, it's, a, it's a diuretic, really, and it also has effects on the heart. So it's used with, on people with heart failure and who have liver failure, who have abnormal fluid retention, and it causes increased loss of free water from the body. During all this time, nobody had ever thought to that it might 
have other functions like this. And this is really completely serendipitous that we made this, this finding. Um, and I think, you know, we have preliminary evidence that not only does it work on the SM protein of EBV, but that it may work on other herpes viruses. So we're now actively trying to see if, in fact, it's working on those similar proteins and those other viruses. And what, what is this drug called? It's called spironolactone. And so you wouldn't want to use spironolactone right now as an antiviral? No, because it is a potent diuretic and heart failure drug and uh, has hormonal effects. So, uh, And those hormonal effects are, are somewhat of an undesirable side effect for use in heart failure patients, for example. The interesting thing is that there are other very similar compounds, one of which is also used in, in patients. Those very similar compounds that have this diuretic uh, function do not have the antiviral function at all from what we can tell. So that really makes us think that we can separate those two functions. We're actively working with uh, chemists here at the University of Utah to try to make some of those derivatives uh, and, and test them to see if uh, we can uh, separate the antiviral effect from the known effects of spironolactone. So your hope is to, to modify this, this existing drug so that it only works as an antiviral and hopefully one that works against that entire class of herpes viruses. Is that right? <clears throat> that's, that's exactly right. And this target is different from the current target of available drugs. The, all the available drugs against herpes viruses currently <clears throat> are directed against um, replication of the DNA or genetic material of these viruses. What that means is that it's one class of drugs. When you get resistance, you often have resistance to many of the drugs in the class. Uh, so, so we're somewhat limited once we get into problems with resistance or toxicity with this class of drugs. Um, and so it would, I think it would be a significant advance, particularly for CMV uh, to have another, you know, uh, set of tools as far as fighting these virus uh, virus infections. Is there a reason, um, particular reasons, why doctors or or patients might be excited about a new drug like this coming aboard eventually? <clears throat> well, I think you know this is all speculation, but we we have um, uh, anytime you have a limited armamentarium against a particular infection or infections. Uh, it, it's important to uh, try to have additional drugs. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think another uh, potential exciting possibility to my mind is that there's the possibility of synergy. When you have drugs that are directed against two different targets, um, you can help prevent the emergence of resistance. You can potentially get synergistic killing. Uh, so these are all um, reasons uh, that it, it will be good to have um, additional drugs. Sometimes you have drug intolerance or allergies. Uh, these are, again, why it's important to have additional tools in suppressing virus replication. Um, and I have another question that's going to kind of show my naivete. I mean, when I think of, um, <clears throat> when I think of medications that, um, that are used to treat infections, they're, usual, they're usually antibacterial medications. Do we use antiviral medications as often? I mean, if someone were to come down with mono, do we typically give them uh, antiviral so, medication? Uh, that, that's actually not a naive question. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a very good question. The reason I think that we don't 
use a lot of as many antivirals as antibiotics is number one, we just don't have very many effective antivirals. Now, if I could give you an antiviral, you know, drug that would cut your cold symptoms in half or even by a third, most people would jump at the chance to take it. Um, now, we do have some antivirals that are effective against influenza. Uh, they're not as superbly effective as perhaps we would like. The reason that, you know, people have actually tried antivirals, the available ones, for mono. The problem with mono is by the time you have symptoms, it's actually a couple of weeks after uh-huh. um, you you were infected. And I think it's it's a dollar short and a do- day late. And as you know, it's transmitted by saliva. It's called a kissing disease. And I think it would be very hard to do a trial where you gave teenagers a drug before they kissed someone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Um- so, so the drug that you would be developing would would probably be reserved mostly for these special situations for immunocompromised patients, for example, where it's life threatening or. Um, well, um, one of the other areas where it's commonly used actually <coughs> is in um, drugs that are, that are active against herpes simplex virus. Uh, valacyclovir is one. It's it's uh, uh, used every day by people who have um, frequent recurrences or uh, outbreaks of genital herpes or cold sores on their lip. So these people take Valtrex every day, and this helps to decrease the incidence of symptomatic um, recurrences. So what are your goals going forward with this project? So we um, uh, would like, like I said, to make those derivatives that uh, – will not have adverse side effects due to spironolactone's known properties. <clears throat> we would like to, um, assuming we do manage to develop these derivatives that are strictly antiviral and are potently antiviral. I mean, excitingly, in vitro anyway, uh, in the test tube, in the, in the laboratory, we find that spironolactone is as effective as some of the currently active, uh, available drugs against DBV. So if we can make a derivative that we think might be clinically useful, then we would um, hope that we could advance that into uh, preclinical testing uh, with the goal of getting it into a patient um, trial. Uh, and, you know, while that's not the business that we're in, uh, it, it really, you know, I think is, is incredibly gratifying when uh, there's some possibility that in your lifetime you could see something that you've been working on in the laboratory um, actually make it to patient care. Interesting, informative, and all in the name of better health. This is the Scope Health Sciences Radio.